0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. To left center.
1: Deep. Gone. Brewers lead it. And a swing and a miss. He struck it. Down the line. And that's the ball game.
2: Hey, Brewers fans. Welcome to the latest episode of Brewers Unfiltered. I'm Brad Ford, social media manager for the Milwaukee Brewers. It's episode 16, and we're really excited. We have a lot of great stuff, starting with an interview with Uncle Larry. But first, let's talk to my colleagues. We have the illustrious Tim Dillard and the moderately okay Adam (laughs) McAlvey. Guys, how are we doing today? Great. Yeah, good. Good. A plus. Yeah, it, it's an off day. You know, the team's traveling. We're recording on Monday because, uh, you know, turns out a couple people travel on those uh, days that teams play. So it's just easier on us all. Some of us but don't
0: have a chartered plane at the ready filled with food and beverage. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be I in my car. If you want to live life like that, the, the options for this were terrible. So I'm going to make it a, roadie, <laughs> a road You're trip. you driving? I've heard yes. that.
2: Flights are just miserable right now. I, am, like I We have a lot of staff trying to get out to Boston oh, for the series at the end of the yeah. month. And everyone just says it's the most impossible thing you could ever Flying try. Flying
0: is impossible. I don't want to risk. It's 50-50. So like uh-huh. 50% chance I get up there to cover the game. And I don't really feel like um, giving any money to the airlines right now. let them well, figure I flew this home.
1: out. I flew home. I didn't work the last series and uh, flew Southwest, came home to Nashville and got on a plane we taxied the runway and then the guy gets on the horn and was like hey uh one of these instruments doesn't work so we're gonna head back to the gate Oh, <laughs> oh no! and now part of me was like let's just hey how about we just chance it you know but nobody thought that was funny at 5:30 a.m but i was like i'm willing <laughs> I, I trust this guy uh, Tim, was no. it
0: a was it a wind instrument
1: no i have no idea what it was <laughs>
0: No, that's no nothing for wind instrument. Wind instrument. It, it was a wood. That, wind. Isn't that, a, that That's a double entendre.
1: Was it airplane?
0: It's an airplane. It's an instrument on an airplane, but also <laughs> uh,
1: I don't know. I'm not a pilot.
2: <sighs> anyway, we're we're a triple plus at observing baseball and F triple minus at introing our podcast. <laughs> But we've kept you waiting long enough because we talked to Uncle Larry, a.k.a. Andrew McCutcheon, a.k.a. Kutch, a.k.a. one of the most entertaining people inside the Brewers Clubhouse. And we, I mean, you guys really talked to him about some interesting topics, including the secret behind the gauntlet. So let's hear from Kutch right now and find out why the gauntlet's in the dugout now.
0: Tim and I are here with, one of the most famous Milwaukee brewers. He is a former bank custodian.
3: Uh, yeah, that's a real, that's a real thing. Just,
0: you'll just have to tell me at the end whether... That's a real yeah, thing. If any of this is wrong, you can tell me at the end. This is all from Googling this morning. Oh, Google. Uh, well prepared. Uh, a one-time Gulf Coast League colleague of Brewers President of Baseball Operations, David Stearns, according to Stearns. This is true. This is true. Amateur chef. <laughs> I mean... No? Okay, that one we'll have to work on. If you, I,
3: mean, I, I mean, if you... I mean, yeah, I can... You know, cook some mean eggs.
0: Oh, okay. Well, there's a story out there that you're a chef. So we're going to, okay. You uh, proposed to your wife on the Ellen DeGeneres show. That's a famous moment oh, yeah. in your life. Oh, yeah. Definitely did Five-time All-Star, four-time Silver Slugger, Roberto Clemente Award winner, the 2013 National League MVP. He's Andrew McCutcheon. And he has sat down with Tim Dillard and I. Andrew, thank you very
3: much for doing this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Appreciate you guys for having me. I'm going to do my best to not like hop in the mic and talk like this. I just It's right there. I just feel like I need to talk to it every time I
0: – Well, you'll, you'll have that good radio voice if you get right in there.
3: Yeah. I'm... Broadcasting career maybe? Future? No. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Right. Maybe one day. One day. Who
0: knows?
1: I think you should. Just don't take my job. I need it. Oh, uh,
3: yeah. All right. I can do that. <laughs>
0: So Kutch of those things of the chef, is that not true? I there was a story that uh I think it was when you were young in the big leagues or maybe you're still a prospect that you like to cook for yourself.
3: Well, it wasn't by choice. Um Okay, yeah, it was by choice. It's because I mean it, it's either cook for yourself or, you know, you spend a lot of money on food and, you know, going to fast food fast food joints or restaurants or whatever they call it. They didn't have Uber Eats or DoorDash or all those things back then. So, um, yeah. So I used to just go grocery shopping and make my own food. I mean, uh, most guys did, you know, most guys in the minor leagues, that's what you do most times it's probably just sandwiches or whatever you can whip up, but, you know, just get, get, just get the job done, you know, satisfy the stomach and just move on.
0: Kutch, I want to start first sort of along those lines, talking about young, young players, just to be timely. And then we'll get back into your history a little bit more, but, when this airs and people are listening to it, there's going to be less than a week to go before the draft, before day one, the first round of the draft. And you were a first round pick of the Pittsburgh pirates. Can you put us into the shoes of the kids who have a chance to be drafted in the first round, what they're doing, what they're feeling, what's happening in this final week leading up to the draft?
3: Yeah. I mean, you, you pretty much have somewhat of an idea at this point, um, Kind of where you're going to be drafted, as far as rounds are based, you you, you kind of have an idea you're going to be a high pick. Um, you know, you've talked prior to countless teams, most of the ones that are um, going to be the within the first however many picks. Um, you know, so you you have an idea. It's it's not necessarily a matter of, of where you're getting drafted or or you know what round. You kind of know what round, and it's it's more of like what team you almost know so um yeah it's more of just the waiting game the anticipation of it uh preparing for it and um you know it was of course it was different when I did it than it is now but um yeah you just just everything leading up to it you're just you're just anxious overly anxious you just just want to get the ball rolling and get drafted and you know get started which is what a lot of guys do a lot of guys are getting drafted and they're hopping right into the minor leagues and they're playing this year so um yeah it's it's uh it's a whirlwind of events and it goes very fast goes quickly um I think just leading up to it the anticipation of it seems like it takes forever and considering this year it's later it feels like I'm sure it feels like it's gonna take it forever right now but um Man, it's it's uh, man, it's a roller coaster of emotions, um, and uh, it's it's uh, something to remember. It's great now because most of it, if, at least if you're a high draft pick, is televised. So at least you have that to fall back on, and you can watch it as many times as you want. You know, when it's over, um, me, I, it's more of a memory. You know, so um, yeah, it's amazing now They get to have it all showcased on television and all of that All Star All Star break, you know, it'd be cool.
1: Where were, where were you? Like, where where were you at? You had a phone, right? You had to give your phone number out. Uh, who were you with, and where were you?
3: Yeah, I was home. Um was at home. Had some uh, close family and friends at the house. Had, like, the local newspaper there, which wasn't a very big newspaper, but, you know, it's what everyone read. Um, and that basically was it. There was probably, like, 20, 25 of us, and we're all just packed in the house listening to it on the, on the Internet, the old dial-up. you've got mail not right now (laughs) well Well, touch
0: people might not even remember but the in the days before this was on mlb network the draft happened by conference call and you'd listen to it on the internet uh and it was like (laughs) the most boring event possible and it was 50 round was it still 50 rounds you remember Mm -hmm. when you got drafted Mm -hmm. so 50 rounds long and it went like really i mean each pick was like 10 seconds
3: yeah yeah, it went quick. I mean, they went. I mean, from the first pick, you know, uh, uh, here in the two thousand five draft, the Arizona Diamondbacks select Justin Upton, Upton from da 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 da, and then yeah. it would be like, but um, then some time would happen, and it'd be like second pick, da 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 da, and so I'm like in my mind, I'm like, oh okay, there's a chance I could go, you know, fifth or. You know, if that doesn't happen, then there's a chance I could go ninth. And, you know, then, so I'm like saying all these things in my head. And the next thing you know, like they already went to the fifth. And I'm like, I didn't even hear it. And then I was like, all right, well, I, I know the, I know the, the Tigers are next. And I, I know they're looking for a high school guy. And then they can pick Cameron Maven. And then I was like, all right, well, it's the Pirates. So I was like, I know for sure I, I did well. I did a show. I, I worked out with the Pirates. I'm going they're, they're probably the team more than likely. And then they said it, we all celebrated, And, um, yeah, I was like, all right, turn the computer off. So <laughs> I don't want to hear any more of it. So that like, you know, then you well, know, you can't use
0: up those AOL minutes. Yeah, you have to save those exactly, AOL minutes.
3: Exactly. We got to turn those off. <laughs> um, we got to sign out and then, you know, then I, yeah, I'm, t- I'm get a phone call real quick and, you know, welcome pirates, you know, happy to have you. And you know, Bradenton from my house was an hour away, so um, I was there within I don't know how long, I don't even remember, but you know, I was I ended up being there and yeah, getting, getting my career started. And just to follow up,
0: if I can, because I, I said that in the intro about David Stearns mentioned, um, he worked for that, he interned for the Pirates and was in Bradenton. Do you have like any memory of that? And have you guys talked about that? So he it's, said he did. Do-
1: he said he threw batting practice to you, right? Isn't that what he said on the? Well, podcast? Well, he says well,
0: he might have. Might I think have. you know, okay. we 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 maybe you know went with that story because yeah. it was a good story, so we were, yeah. <laughs> we kind of ran with it. Fact maybe he, he may have. Okay.
3: Yeah. Still. Va- vaguely, I, I don't remember him throwing me batting practice. I do remember um, the the him driving the players to Pirate City because at the time of Pirate City, they were in the process of rebuilding that whole facility there um, at Pirate City. So we had to live off base and um, hotels. First it was the days in, and then I believe there was like a bad shooting there that happened. So we had we had to get out of there. And then we ended up um, having to be in a different hotel that was a little further off base, but it was nicer. And so, yeah, guys used to drive us back and forth. And so he was like one of the guys driving us. So I- Was I, he a good driver? I don't remember. I, clear, clearly it was because, I mean, you only remember the bad ones. So <laughs> I mean, it had to be pretty good. Like, it came up to me in spring. I was like, hey, I drove you. I was like, man, what? <laughs> I kind of don't remember that. But, you know, like, clearly um, must have been a good driver because, I mean, if you were a bad one, I definitely remember. But, um, <laughs> he came yeah. up to David
1: Stern's adequate driver. How were you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's great. It, I, I want to say this too. This is kind of timely because I saw a commercial the other day for the World Baseball Classic. Uh, they had Christian Yelich on there in his press conference back from 2017, and I thought, man, we have you on here. Um, you were there in 2017, that World Champion team. Right now, when you like have a memory thinking about that moment, what what's something that you do remember? It's been five years, but like, what what sticks out the most to you?
3: Me getting thrown out uh, of a, <laughs> a game there. <laughs> Yeah, Great <laughs> toss, like in you know, a World Baseball Classic. Like I'm like, bro, this is a World Baseball Classic. Why are you throwing me out? Like it's the, it's spring training, basically. Like come on, like why are you throwing me out of the game? I'm just telling you how far outside it was. You know, like so, like, was that? I mean, was it? Yeah, I, I went a little far. But um, I it was. I remember that, of course, because I've only been ejected if you include that one. I've only been ejected twice in my career. Um, but it shows you like oh. how passionate the guys were like include myself how passionate we were like when you get there i mean god i mean you're you're getting into spring training you're kind of going through the the small things you're 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 working out you're taking batting practice you're doing some sprints here and there and then like they're in 2017 world baseball classic and then you're like man i i feel like i'm not quite ready to turn it up and then you get that first hit, and you're busting it 100 hundred, hundred, hundred percent down the line. Like you're you're running as hard as you can, you know. And it's just like, man. Um, it, but it just shows how amazing that tournament was. I mean, it was it was amazing. I mean, it was it was electric. Playing those, I mean, they they were, it was play it was playoffs. It literally felt like the playoffs the entire time. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was better than I expected it to be. Basically, that's back next year too. Yep, it sure is. So if, so if a guy gets asked, are you going to be yeah, on that team? Are you going to be on the club? Are you
1: going to be on that team? They asked you. Yeah, I
3: mean, if they ask me, I mean, why not? Why not? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's awesome. a lot of it was a lot of fun, you know. And we all still talk about it. You know, I talk. Me and Ellie talk about it. You know, and it was it was um it was an amazing amazing time. And that's that's one way to get through spring training. That's for sure. I will tell you that much. <laughs> it was a it was a lot. Of, you you go back to spring. You're like, oh, <laughs> hey guys. <laughs> So how long we got, Yeah, we, we were <laughs>
0: somehow this came up in conversation because 2020, obviously, uh, was spring training got stopped. 2021 was weird because everybody was getting used to still involved in all the protocols and things like that. This year was weird because of the lockout. Now, next year is going to be weird because of the World Baseball Classic. It's going to be like five years between normal
3: spring trainings. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's it's uh It's been different for sure, but I mean, it's, it's, it's about, it's, I mean, we experienced a normal spring training for once, you know, in a long time for the most part this year, even with the lockout. I mean, it was, at least we were able to show up and have a normal spring training, which was nice. So you get to go into next year, then you got the world baseball classic and, you know, that'll be a lot of fun too. Even if I don't go, like I'm going to be watching it of course. And, um, you know, it's, it, it all, it's all going to be a lot of fun regardless. So, um, Yeah, it's, uh, like I said, going back to the World Baseball Club, I mean, it's, it was, it was, uh, like, I I did not expect it to be that, like, amazing. Like, I mean, you know, like, I just didn't expect, I I expected it to be fun. I didn't expect it to be that fun. It was, it was a lot of fun. And on top of, of course, like, winning the whole thing, it makes it even more fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was great. It was great, great experience. So you only have one other ejection in your entire professional life? Yeah, Chris Comroy, um. What did you do arguing balls and strikes Um, (laughs) and basically like I mean it kind of like amplified to that moment it wasn't just like one moment but you know it was like uh, two at bats had already passed I had some bad calls called on me throughout the game and then the uh, I kind of just I had it at that time you know so I just threw my bat down I knew right when I threw it I was gonna get thrown out of the game but um, prior prior to that you know I had some bad calls and I said look I don't know a lot of things, but one thing I know I know is the strike zone. So I used to always say that. I was like, you know, one thing I do know is the strike zone. Like, so, and I'm like, I don't, you know, if it's not a strike, I don't have it a strike, you know, whatever. But, you know, I was more of like, no, it's a strike, you know. So I'm like, all right, God thinks he's right. So, like, you know, and, <laughs> so, and <laughs> I ended up getting ejected, you know, then like my third or fourth at bat, whatever it was. And yeah, it was just like, for me, I felt like it was warranted. Like I was like, at that point, it's warranted. <laughs> you earned you know? it. Yeah. it's warranted. If this is the time we get thrown out, this is the time we're gonna get thrown out. You know, so let me get my money's worth. And uh it was great. It was great. I enjoyed it. I mean, whatever. <laughs> like I could say I got <laughs> I say I got thrown out. It was great. <laughs>
1: enjoyed it. It's like it's like Schwarber, when Schwarber got, you know, rung up at the end of the game the yeah. other day and he slams his helmet. It wasn't really that moment. It was yeah. always building to that. And yeah. I think everybody could can feel that. Yeah. I've got people that are really watching the game are sitting there going I'm surprised he's still in this game uh-huh
0: uh-huh I love that you refer to that as the other day because that was like the second week of April Oh and was you it? guys are total big leaguers that y- you can tell you both are ball players because one thing I've learned is that ball players have absolutely no sense of time and place like every day is the same you know you talk about the other day and it's like sir that was in 2000.
3: <laughs> yep. I, I remember that. it like it was two hours ago.
0: Coach, <laughs> is that learned? I mean, that's part of what you have to do to be good at the sport you play, right?
3: Yeah, I think it's just in our DNA. I, I think it's just a part of um, our build and our makeup to be able to play this game and sustain um, sustain basically failure. <laughs> I mean, because you're, you're going to fail a lot in this game, and you're going to win, you're going to lose. You're going to not do too well that game. You're going to do well. Like, it's just all a part of it. It's just how you handle it afterwards. And I think that just is a part of the makeup of a Major League Baseball player. I think you're just like, all right, hey, man, you remember that time? You know, like, yeah, well, yeah, I remember that. Like, uh, what was that? You know, like, I don't know. So it's just, you know, like, we, we don't, we don't, yeah, we're just like, we don't think too too much into things because you understand if you do, and a lot of that is learned throughout the minor leagues. And, you know, you, you don't want to learn it in the major leagues, but sometimes you do, but um, you learn from it. And, you know, if you want to sustain a, a, a decent career in the, in the big leagues, you got to learn how to move on. And yeah, I think it's just part of it.
1: Yeah. That's a good point because, you know, you, you, you kind of scuffled there for a while and then you got that walk-off base hit, right. And you ran around first. Um, And I, this question comes from my six-year-old Hayes. I asked, I told him I was going to be interviewing you and he wanted me to ask you this he said you you rounded first base and then you fell on the ground you look like a starfish and then uh and then you made that catch in Cincinnati the other day yeah the <laughs> other I think day that was yeah. the other day yeah. and and you fell and you you know it was the second or third out of the inning and you, you kind of laid there like a starfish and so anyway hayes is wondering is that your favorite animal a starfish
3: <laughs> well now that you mention it i i never thought about that but I might have a new favorite animal. <laughs> I'm going to Google it. <laughs> yeah, there you starfish. go. Starfish, let me learn more about it. Let me learn more yeah. about being a starfish, you know. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, that could be my thing now. It could be just, you know, starfish, starfish post. Catch starfish again. What do you know? It's like, going to be a thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, make it a thing, you know. <laughs> Why not? You know, it's, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. I'll just, sometimes i just lay out just because that's it. I just, yeah, like yeah, I just feel yeah, like it's out. Else. The grass yeah. is really comfortable. People don't realize how unbelievably comfortable the baseball grass is. It it is really comfortable. You can literally lay on it. Like and not you don't get scratched up. It's not like you wake up and start, you know, itching. Like it's really it's it's unbelievable how soft <laughs> it is. It is well, soft it, grass. In Cincinnati, well,
1: it was a day game, right? So yeah. that's kind of what you do in a day game. It's called a sun stretch. Yes, exactly. I
3: mean, you, yeah, you go out there and you lay like a starfish. Yeah, And I was really tired at that moment. So I, <laughs> needed, I needed about half a second, <laughs> half a second to get up. Like, hold on, all right, here we go. Ah, and I had to get up, took a little break, and we're back on it, you know? So, uh, yeah.
0: How how much do you feel those days when you're out there in left field or right field versus the DH days?
3: I feel it prior to the game. I don't necessarily feel it during the game. Because once it's once, time to go, it's time to go. But, like, I mean, I, I think the difference for me now, like, where I am in my career as opposed to 10, 10, 12 years ago is I now prior to the game, I don't always feel great. Physically, I just don't <laughs> feel great. I'm just like, man, I'm I'm feeling it today. You know, I'm a little sore today, whatever. And then I do some stuff to get myself prepared and ready for the game. And then as soon as that first pitch is there, I'm like, all right, you know, you just don't, you don't feel it. Like, you know, you got to go get the job done You go get the job done and the game's over. And, then it's like, oh man, I'm feeling it again. So you know, so you got <laughs> you got to do some stuff to after the game to to get your body prepared for the next day. And Before or prior, when I was younger, I didn't have to do that. I, w- I would show up to the field and I'd stretch and stuff and work out, but I didn't really do anything after the game. I just showered and left, you know. And now it's like, all right, I gotta get in the cold tank. All right, I need to do blood flow restriction for my legs. Uh, I need to, I need to, you know, um, contrast now, now. You know, so it's like just more things you got to do to get yourself prepared for the next day. Well, we, we see you in the
0: clubhouse. You've got, you know, you've got some pretty high-tech stuff that you walk around with before games. Yeah, you know. Especially I,
3: on, the, on the legs. I always tell people, you know, I didn't wake up like this. You know, I, I, I had to prepare. I had to get ready. You know, I was like, when you guys look up and you see sprint speed of, uh, you know, the Milwaukee Brewers, I, I'm not number one for a reason, you know, like. You know, 35 and number one on the team. What are you guys doing? I mean, <laughs> like, I'm I feel great. I don't. I mean, why am I dusting you guys? You know. So you know. So I you know. But always joke around. Like man, I, I prepare. I get myself ready, and I go out there and I do it. You know. So um, all jokes aside, you know, you gotta get you gotta get your body ready and ready to go and geared up. And you know, I think uh, you know those guys in the training staff. They all do a great job. Just getting me ready. Can I jump back in time, uh, Kutch, because
0: I, I do want to ask you a little bit about growing up, because this came up for us on the last road trip. Jonathan Davis made that insane catch into the wall uh, in Tampa. And then just in conversation, you know this, it came up that when he was kind of coming up, getting close, thinking about baseball as a career, you were his favorite player. You were like his MLB idol, and he was really excited uh, to, to get to meet you. And the one thing he said that he loved is that you were both PKs, which we stumped you on. But he said it's preachers' kids. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your parents? Because it's a it's a great story about everything they did for you as you were a young you know ball player, loving this sport, to give you the opportunity to get to where you got to. Can you can you tell us a little bit about your parents? Yeah,
3: you definitely got me on the PKs. I guess I didn't really understand I'm like P- pre K, like. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea what was going on, but, um, yeah, once you said that, I'm like, Oh, okay. I get it. But, um, yeah, I mean, my, my, pa- my parents had me at a very young age, um, seven, they were 17 still in high school. Um, and, uh, yeah, they luckily they had a great support system around them. My mom did, my dad did all from the same town, um, where they could take help, take care of me. And, um, and yeah, it they they had a lot of sacrifices along the way. I mean, my, my dad worked countless jobs. Um, I don't know how many jobs the guy worked. I just felt like he had a different job every month, which he probably did. I, I was just so too young to re- really remember. But um, yeah, they, just, they kept the they kept the lights on, and you know they they always took good care of me, and never to the point to where I had to worry about. Um, just everything that adults go through. <laughs> I didn't have to worry mm-hmm. about that. They just let me go out and be a kid on top of being able to, um, you know, help me be active as far as um, with sports and and uh, being able to go out there and use my talents that I had. Um, you know, they sacrificed that as well. My dad, we well, were both athletes. Um, my mom ran track. She played volleyball. Um, my My dad, he was a football player um went off to Carson Newman Tennessee played there they won the championship his red shirt he's a red shirt freshman and um then he was basically stuck with all right do I continue to keep pursuing this or do I go back and take care of my my, my kid which was me and um he made the sacrifice of coming back working jobs taking care of me so they they did an amazing he did an amazing job my mom did an amazing job my dad eventually when I was around 11 years old decided to go to minister, mini- get into ministry and um yeah, he uh, he did that and um, became a minister. Then we are in one church. It was literally right across the street from our house. It still is there. That church is there. Uh, that's where he kind of got his, uh, you know, ministry started. And then we went over to another church, and uh, he became the youth pastor there, uh, under the head pastor. So I was around him probably a little more than I wanted to be, but uh, yeah, he w- it was great. He he, he did that and. Um, then he be, ended up becoming a pastor himself. Now he has his own church and, um, yeah, it's, he, it's amazing, man. It's, uh, yeah, they, like I said, they sacrificed a lot. They sacrificed a lot for me and, uh, yeah, they, they taught me some, some awesome things to, to kind of get me to where I am now. So yeah, the best. one of his jobs was in a mine, right? Yeah. Is that a true story? Phosphate. He used to work at the phosphate mines in Florida. Um, he did that for quite some time, had the night shift. So he had the graveyard shift a lot of the time. So he would come leave leaving at night come back early in the morning um there's one time which i believe was his last day he uh he uh came in it was storming all day that day and he used to weld so what he his job was welding the pipes that were around the phosphate mines so he would weld the pipes um, everywhere and then um one night i just remember it was thunderstorming so bad my mom was worried sick about him and uh He came. He came home. I never forget. He came home. He was drenched in water, mud, and he he dropped all of his stuff. And he was just like, I can't do this anymore, you know. And I just never (laughs) forget that. I never forget it because he was just basically saying, basically what happened. He was. It was a thunderstorm. It's a lot of water everywhere, and he was welding a pipe in the middle of a thunderstorm, and the pipe burst in front of him. So he had to eventually had to fix that. Um, in the middle of a thunderstorm, while pipes burst and water's going everywhere, so like he uh, he ended up you know, he stopped doing that, and he ended up doing something, getting another job, which eventually led him to getting into ministry. But um, yeah, it was uh, it was crazy, just a of, the amount of jobs he had, um, and just you know. But it was it was great for me, it was a learning experience for me. You know, it was uh, just you know teaching me a bunch of things of just you know you work you work. Sometimes you have to work jobs you don't want to to get to where you want to be.
1: No, that's that's true. And that's and that's also, you know, a lot of baseball players, a lot of people don't know that, you know, you got to get season jobs, right? When it comes to baseball. I remember Tyrone Taylor, didn't he drive for Uber?
3: He probably yeah. did. I, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I I've worked it at several shipping. factories. It was shipping. It, it was, it, a shipping, was yeah. uh,
0: FedEx was the one I was thought he, he had a yeah, job yeah. lined up, and then he had to call them and say, "I'm sorry, I'm going uh, to the big leagues." So I was called up to the major <laughs> league. I was called up, literally. I was called up to the big leagues. I, I can't take this job. Yeah,
3: <laughs> that's crazy. It's a, it's it's amazing, but at the same time, I mean, I was fortunate enough to be drafted so high to where I didn't have to worry about that. But there's countless of other minor leaguers. Even till this day, it's actually worse this day, but like to, where they're having to work these jobs, um, just to make do, they have them, they make ends meet. I mean, these guys are playing the game. They're sacrificing so much for themselves, for their families. And you know, then they come home now they got to pick up another job, a job that is, uh, pays enough, but at the same time, a job that's understanding of their job being a major, a minor leaguer. So, you know, Hey, I can only do this for five months. Um, are you okay with that? So, you know, so there's just so much that these guys have to go through. And um, yeah, working, working's one of them. Um, you know, working on top of working.
1: <laughs> well, talking about teammates, you've had probably what, a thousand teammates maybe in your career, give or take. What is someone that you still keep in touch with? Maybe one of your best friends? You know, you know you have a lot of great teammates, a lot of favorite teammates, but what's one or two guys that maybe sticks out in your mind of like guys that you've kept up with? Maybe you're not teammates with them now, but uh, maybe that you just keep up with over the years
3: yeah i mean uh one of the guys josh harrison um you know i pretty much came up through the big leagues with him um you know we we talk every so often Um uh, if we get opportunities and chances we'll hang out in the offseason um you know he's, he's always been a great teammate great friend um, you know always been happy for him watching what he's doing and um you know because he was a guy that he was that up and down guy he was that guy that was Coming to Bitly's and then get an option. Coming and not get an option like that was him. That was who he was. And we had so many talks over the years. And you know, just him, just you know, just staying committed to his to his process and knowing that you know if he just kept doing it, he'd have that chance. And then he got that chance in 2014 and ended up that just that just pretty much wrote his career for him. And he's still out there doing it. So um, yeah, he's one guy I talked to. And actually, someone who works here in the uh, Brewers organization, Pedro Alvarez. Um, he's another guy who um, you know, I was very excited um, when I came here to know that he was here, too. Um, he's a guy that a uh, good, good friend. Um, he was a great teammate, too. Uh, those me, those that three on top of some other guys, man, we used to we were the ones. We were the posse. We we're the guys that um, we hung out everywhere we went. You know, we had some spots here in Milwaukee. We cut to Milwaukee, you know, let's from the Fister. Let's go around the block and, you know, go get some eat and. You know, have some conversations and, you know, it was just a lot of fun. Um yeah, you I know there's a couple of guys I, you know, still keep in touch with, still talk to. That's awesome. Cut, we have to let you get ready for a game soon.
0: But but I have to ask this because it's still a little unclear to me a couple of weeks in the Thanos hand. Is that you? <laughs> was that you? Yeah, who, I bought it. I bought that? it. I did. I bought it. <laughs> okay. uh, Uh, How, why? I don't know. I
3: don't know what the follow up question is, but just can you explain (laughs) this to us? Because it's become a thing. So, what people don't get, all right. So, it it, kind of just became a part of the celebration. It's not supposed to be for the celebration, it just became that. Basically, what happened, I was going, when I was kind of going through, not even the 0 for 30 something stretch, I think it was a little after that. Um, And it was, it really started with Low Kane, shout out to Low. Um, it actually, it actually started with him and um, uh, who else? And it was Keston. So it was the two of them. And anytime time Lowe would be hitting, he'd line out or hit a ball hard. Everyone always has the same, hey, man, way to swing it. Hey, way to swing it. And as a major league baseball player, as a baseball player in general, no one wants to hear that after you just lined out. After you just did everything correct <laughs> and someone's standing there and catches the ball, you don't want to hear a way to swing it. So, so everyone's saying it, and then so Keston used to always go to Low and be like, "Hey, hey, Low, way to swing it, out." <laughs> so he would do that all the time. So we were like, you know, what would be fun. And then that's what the cover- just to fill in the blank because we're on audio. You you showed you
0: held up yeah. your hand like the Thanos thing, and you clenched your fist yes. just to for the <laughs> for the listeners' benefit.
3: Out. Sorry to interrupt your flow there. I yeah. Didn't to do that. So that's what we that's what they were doing, and they used to always laugh about it. And it became a thing, sadly. It became a thing for Lowe and Keston. And um, basically, I was like, man, you know, it would be funny if we got, like, some huge hand or something. (laughs) Every time we would line out, you know, we'd be like, hey, way to swing it. (laughs) Ow. You know, so, like, you know, we, we ended up, like, and we all were laughing about it. But I was like, man, you need that in those moments because you're so mad, you know, especially if you're, it always happens to the guys that are struggling. When you're struggling, you're lining out a lot. So um, we made it, I made it a thing. We made a thing. I was like, you know what? I'm going to get a Thanos hand. I'm going to find one, the one that the fingers can move. And anytime someone lines out, we're going to grab it. We're going to be like, hey, out. So, you know, so like, that's basically what it came to. And that's why we have the hand is I was like I need that personally because you know I tend to sometimes get a little too frustrated when I line out so if I if I turn to my right you know and I see somebody with a Thanos hand how can I not laugh at that so <laughs> so I yeah that's what it's for that's what it's for okay. and so anytime you see a line out be be looking out for somebody in that dugout holding it because they're going to give them that out and
0: yeah, because you know. it's been co-opted for home runs and, like, good moments now. And it's like, wait a minute, I've seen that movie, and I, I don't <laughs> think that means what you – but obviously it's just because it's a cool thing and everybody yeah. wants to show it on television.
3: Yeah, of course, of course. That's the only – yeah, everyone wants to show it. You know, it's like, oh, that's cool. You know, and somebody, I don't know who, someone decided to grab it after they hit a homer and then it became a thing. Well, I'm so.
0: just going to guess it was Willie Adamas because he's usually the one who does those types
3: of things. Yeah, it more than likely was him. Uh, I wouldn't put it past it, but yeah, yeah. Someone—it was either him or it was Wong. It was somebody, yeah. I and mean, I was like, all right, I guess this is a thing now. Um, so well, that's right. the
1: baseball—that's the baseball clubhouse. Everything turns into a thing, man. <laughs> you everything. everything turns, everything into, a turns thing. into something, which is great. a good name for yeah. a podcast.
3: Everything turns into something. It doesn't matter what it is; it becomes. See a that, thing. and really that's going to be
1: a T-shirt. It's going to be a T-shirt that says "Everything turns into something."
3: <laughs> everything, everything turns into something, and it's going to be the Thanos hand ringing the bell. That like, is. You know, you know yeah. that's basically what's going to happen. I mean, I've already <laughs> seen. I've already seen. Uh, a, a t-shirt with a Thanos hand ringing the bell already. So doesn't wow. take, do not take, doesn't take long. Doesn't, doesn't take long. Take long. At all. No? yeah, it does not.
0: Well, you have to go uh, get ready to become a designated hitter, Or a left fielder, depending on what the lineup looks like. Today, center so.
3: field. Oh,
0: really? Oh. Yeah. This is break. Well, it's, it won't be breaking news because the podcast comes out on Tuesday.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <We're talking laughs> Sorry about that, center field, baby. See, I was joking. I was joking about. You know, being fast, you know, so now I gotta showcase it. They're like, yeah, (laughs) hey, he is fast. Let's put him in center. So I was like, all right, you know, I can do that. So I'll be out there. Awesome.
0: Well, we will, uh, Everybody will be four days later and be looking back on it with great joy. Uh-huh. So yep. hopefully there's a diving catch in you tonight.
3: I'd rather not stay away from that. I just got to run the ball what down. Running catch. I just run it down. Cool. Starfish. Starfish. Starfish, <laughs> starfish is definitely going to happen. If <laughs> yeah. I a
1: starfish after it. yeah, that'd be great. I'll make sure my kids watch and we always watch. <laughs> That's great.
0: Uh, Andrew McCutcheon, thank you so much. You're the first uh, MVP to come on the podcast, and we really, really appreciate it. So thank thanks so much for the time.
2: Oh yeah, thanks, man. appreciate appreciate you for having me. And guys, when you started that interview, you were actually able to break some news because for the first time in a long time, Kutch was playing center field, and you learned it about 30 minutes before lineup went out.
0: It was very exciting, and as I said, this is now people are listening to this like days later, but whatever. Uh, And he was fine out there. He was fine. He made a joke. He was like, yeah, I got to play seven innings a day. I don't think he uh, loved the defensive replacement that was happening, but what are you going to do?
2: Yeah, he's actually looked pretty solid uh, in the outfield this year, which I know some of his measurements weren't the greatest coming into the season. So that's why, you know, DH seemed like the primary role, but with injuries piling up and him having to take on that role, he's looked pretty good. Tim. Do you think after a few year break, you could go out and field pitcher? You think Absolutely. you still got it in you?
1: Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> it's actually a skill. Like all that stuff is if you don't do it much, um, it's, it's tough to get back on the wagon. I just threw wiffle balls in the backyard for the, like, the last couple days. My arm's just hanging right now. <laughs> and just the sheer force of trying to hit a wiffle ball out of my yard, which is not big at all. <laughs> and being unable to do so, I'm like, man, I've just I've fallen way, way down. But no, it's I talked to David Stearns in spring training It's like the one thing I asked him when I showed up for literally the last two days of spring training and I asked him about the DH and his big thing was he wanted the DH to be able to play the outfield at least, you know, and, and he knew that McCutcheon could do that and had full confidence in that. So that was a very big deal at the time. So, I, I mean, he's very adequate. He's above adequate. He's good. He's good out there.
0: You know, I think they knew he'd play some outfield. I don't think center field was the plan. So this is a reaction to, you know, Locaine not being on the roster anymore and Tyrone Taylor being down. And I think Craig Council made clear it's a temporary situation. So by the end of the week, we're expecting a Tyrone Taylor to be back in there, like during the San Francisco series and Hunter Renfro too. So I think McCutcheon's days in center field for the Brewers, at least might be done for a little bit, uh, but. Good for him for holding holding it down for a couple of days, and it gave him a chance to put the lineup out there that they wanted.
2: Well, we need to take a break. When we return, we're dishing out our first-half superlatives, MVP most surprising, and more. Stick around after this. Right. Adam, Tim, how do you know a copywriter wrote our script? Because superlatives is all over it. And you know, <laughs> is that a big I don't word? Even know what That's all. As for a touch.
1: <laughs> Can you tell me what that means in a smaller word, less letters?
2: Uh Yeah, super laxatives, I think. is (laughs) I think it's combined together. (laughs) There's probably some of those in the
1: cabinet, in the medicine cabinet, too.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We're giving out our first half awards for the Brewers team. You know, it's been a very interesting first half. I know people are feeling a little low right now after losing series to the Cubs and the Pirates. But as Tim mentions every week, this team's actually performing in line with last season's team. So let's talk about some of the good things. Give out some awards, and let's start with you, Tim. You're captain, positivity. Who's the first half MVP?
1: First half MVP. I think you got to go Corbin Burns um, if you're going to go the pitching route. Uh, at least him and Hater. Um, but I kind of want to focus on Yelich and McCutcheon. Can they be co MVPs?
0: There are no rules. All right. I can't.
1: <laughs> no rules. Okay. Yeah. So everyone gets a everyone gets a trophy. No. Um, I, I, and McCutcheon for me have just, they put them in the lineup, you know, they Sharpie them in there. You need those guys. Uh, and they've performed. They really have their on base percentage. They're, um, just the production value. I, I feel like if, if they weren't doing what they're doing, this team wouldn't be where it's at.
0: Well, the average fan.
1: I can go deeper if you want me to go deeper. Uh,
0: I'll, the average fan listening right now is probably screaming into their car radio or device. Oh yeah,
1: they're going to say Rowdy Teles or Adamus because the home runs and home runs don't tell the entire story.
0: I don't think they would view Yelich as producing. I think the standard was so high for him. Um, so it's interesting. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you, Tim. I'm. I'm saying I think people are. Sounds like I think you are. people are going to be very surprised <laughs> to hear that. To hear that you consider him having a good year.
1: Well, I think, you know, since we're paid to look at this stuff, yeah. <laughs> uh, you look at you look deep. So what do you look at? You look at Yelich with a 345 on-base percentage right now, and that's not even what he's done at the leadoff spot. McCutcheon, a 318. That's the highest on the teams, uh, on, the, uh, on the entire Brewers staff. Games, Yelich has played yep. more games than anybody else. He has more hits. He has more runs. He's batting 250. The only other person that can boast something like that is 253. That's McCutcheon. So you start looking at what they're doing. They're the guys that are scoring the runs, like they're getting on base. It's just a different. You know, doing it in it's different a ways. A different
0: version of production, I think, than we saw from Christian Yelich in eighteen and nineteen. And he, he's just—is that unfair? Maybe that's unfair to hold him to that standard. But it's—it's it's, that was the expectation he set, and it's—it's it's just a different player now. And the leadoff—the off leadoff spot—he's fit really well. You mentioned that the on base is over four hundred in the leadoff spot, so that's fantastic, and. He's such a good base runner that he's used his legs. It's just not, it's not the kind of value to use the middle letter there of MVP that I think everybody expected.
1: Well, I will say this too, and I may have said on the last pod or the one before it, but uh, he's, he's 13 for 13 in stolen bases, right? So he steals, he gets on first, whether it's a walk or a hit, a single. And then he steals second. That right there yeah. is a double, right? So you start looking at how he's—he's he's just doing the, basically the same kind of stuff in a different way. And if you combine him and Adamus, like that's his MVP season, right? And those two guys—the production that those two are together—that's Yelich's MVP season.
2: All right, Adam. Moneyball. Madam, do you, Adam, do you agree with Tim, or do you have a different team MVP? I have a
0: different team MVP, and I'm, I usually tend to give this to a position player because we have the awards for pitchers. and I, Corbin Burns is a great pick, uh, but to me, I'm going to go Jace Peterson because he has, in in the true sense of the word, value. He has played everywhere they've asked. With Hunter Renfro down, he's been out in right field. He's he gives you the most competent at bats. He's one of the uh, the few guys on the team who like. It, you think is like he'll do the little thing that needs to be done in a situation um, to get the runner over or in. Um, he's his home runs, seven home runs, but they've been they just seem like they're in big moments. Um, he just has, I think, come through for them. And Baseball Reference recognizes what he's done. He, he's the leader in in Baseball Reference WAR for the Brewers. And that's not the perfect stat at all. I'm not saying that, but it's one way that you can look at what he's doing. And he's, he's definitely, I think, performed above expectations. And when they've needed him with all these injuries, he's been extremely, extremely valuable. So I would kind of just really zeroing in on the word valuable, give it to Jace.
2: Now, there's two positions this year that Jace hasn't played that he played last year. Do you know what they are? That's
0: a great question. I would say... Shortstop.
2: And Left field. I have no idea. Oh, actually, sorry, there are three. Has he played left? He's played left this year. She did play shortstop last year. He played second base last year, and he he's lost his time on the mound to Mike Brasso. Oh, oh yeah. 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 Brasso's
0: the designated pitcher. You know, Brasso was pointing out the other day that he has a better ERA than Brett Phillips. <laughs> so they're <laughs> keeping track of what each other, you know, the former Rays teammates, and Phillips likes to really you know, shine a light on his pitching prowess. So Brasso does a little more quietly, but he, but he did point out that he is a better ER. That's
1: because he gave up a home run to who was batting left-handed off of him?
0: Yeah. Uh, Rendon?
1: Rendon, yeah. <laughs> That's tough to do. Uh, I've given up lots of home runs, but they're usually the correct way. The guys usually swing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's, isn't baseball kind of fun when it gets to that goofy stage where position players are pitching, especially when you got a guy like Brett Phillips out there.
0: It's
1: a necessary evil.
2: Well, Brasso
0: pointed out that it can either be fun or the worst. And he has had both where he pitched in the 19 to 2 game at Pittsburgh where they were leading. And then he pitched in the game where they were way down. And uh, it's definitely more fun when you're on the winning side. He's got three scoreless innings,
1: though.
2: Yeah. The thing I like about it is it sometimes can make things fun even when they're the worst. Uh, you look at, like, Anthony Rizzo versus Freddie Freeman last year. That was a super fun moment, and Cubs fans loved it, and they were getting shelled. So it, I think it can still be a good occasion in the right situation. Well, you never want to Anyway, it. without further delay, oh. I'm the one going with the smart choice for Brewers MVP, and it's Corbin Burns. Yeah. Like, I get that she... You want to give it to a position player because yeah. it's the MVP, but we don't have the Cy Young here in our superlatives for this. So I'm going Corbin Burns. I'm going the cop-out answer because he's just 60 innings short of what he did last year. He has a better ERA. He's leading the league in strikeouts. He has He's slightly under in his K per nine, but he you know the guy has been the stud we all expect uh, he has some stiffer competition when it comes to the Cy Young race this year than I feel like he did last year, and there's like four other pitchers keeping pace with him right now. But in terms of what he's doing for this team, he's just—he's always just so much fun to go and watch. Like the guy is so dominant. He's been the anchor. He,
1: he, he's it, been the rock. Yeah. I mean, without yep. him, look at the starting rotation. What's you know the even flows? Eric Lauer's the only one that's stayed healthy, and he's had you know a couple of dips there at times, but. With guys, so many guys going on the IL, Burns just stepped up and stayed the course, right? He's been the captain right now of that, of that uh, pitching staff.
2: Uh, one of my favorite things about Corbin this year is that he's been so pissy after all his starts because he wants to do better. Yeah. <laughs> he, 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 he's not pitching up to what he thinks is acceptable, and he's still one of the best pitchers in the league. <laughs> he said that Sunday after
0: getting the All-Star nod. He said he's not close to performing as well as he did last year in his own analysis, not close. And it's because he, you know, he analyzes all those pitches after every start and gives himself a, a grade about whether he executed the pitch and he, and it's not even in the same ballpark from last year, but the numbers are great. And I said, doesn't that give you confidence about what's ahead? And I don't think he, he's just doesn't allow himself to think that way. He's always grinding for something better. I was going to say, That's does he start the all-star game?
2: No, no. Um, For two reasons. Uh, L.A., the team has two starters going in. You have Kershaw and Gonsolin, so they like to go with that sentimental value, and it would be cute to give Kershaw the nod, especially if Shohei's starting on the other side. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I don't think he deserves it, but I think Alcantara is the... Sandy from uh, the Marlins is the one who would get the nod on stats so far this season.
0: I was debating this yesterday with our friend Mike Vassallo. Um, I think Kershaw 100 million percent should start the All-Star Game. And it's a lifetime achievement award. And it's the it would be great for Kershaw to start an All-Star Game at Dodgers Stadium. And he is nowhere near the best starter in the National League this year. And I just think the world will the earth will keep spinning. If the, if the very best starter statistically doesn't, doesn't get that
1: knot, maybe it'll be like a Cal Ripken, Alex Rodriguez all star moment.
0: Where Burns goes out to the mound and then he takes himself out, or Alcantara, they go out and then they wave Kershaw in from the bullpen.
3: That'd be sick. That'd be amazing. <laughs> That'd be
0: sick. Or fake an injury. Go out there and fake an injury <laughs> no, so yeah, that yeah, Kershaw yeah. has as much time yeah. to warm up as needed. Yeah. Near, well, th- near that and would around be the trade
2: great. That would deadline. be the most
0: Hollywood thing.
2: <laughs> yeah. But. I think Kershaw starting is just, I mean, it's an entertainment thing in the middle of the season. Like, yes, it's an award. Yes, it's an honor. Yeah. But when, when the game's actually played, it's played for, like, peak entertainment value. yeah. And what is a better story than Kershaw starting the All-Star game in L.A.? Especially, like I said, Shohei's probably going to be on the other side of that mound. So you have the two superstar, like, the guy who's been the best pitcher for the last 12 seasons, well, a little, plus a few years of not being the best pitcher. And then you had the new face of baseball going against each other in L.A. They're both L.A. pitchers. That's just really fun to me.
1: Maybe there will be a Rudy moment where everybody's just like, Here, "You, you know, here's my all-star jersey. I want Kershaw. I want Kershaw to start in place
2: of me. <laughs> I think we should make it happen. I love it. All right, Tim, who who is your Rudy? No, just kidding. Uh, Adam, <laughs> there is no Rudy award, but there is a most surprising award who is your most surprising player for the Brewers this season?
0: There's only one right answer for this, and I'm wondering if we're all three are going to say the same guy. The answer is Hobie Milner. That was mine. Oh, no, I have a different guy. Oh, okay, Tim and I are on the same page. Hobie Milner has been very surprising for a couple of reasons. He goes totally against the trend in Major League Baseball, which is to come out throwing 99 with the you know a crazy cutter, uh, everybody, like everybody has nasty stuff. And then Hobie Miller comes out and does it a totally different way. Sort of the new, you know, a la Brent Suter, where Suter, when he was on the podcast, he said, this is not the first half that he wanted, although he's pitching, I think a lot better of late. Um, but Milner has stepped up. You need uh, Doug Melvin. always used to say this to be a good team. You need unexpected contributions from guys that weren't necessarily in the role they end up filling and, he has stepped into this sort of bridge role to the, the three guys at the end, and he's pitching in uh, big games, and I think he's just been exceptionally valuable for this
2: team. Yeah, only allowed inherited runners in one appearance this season. Obviously a big player for this organization, right, Tim?
1: Yeah, I mean, he leads the team in appearances. You start looking at a lot of those games that he was in, if, if he doesn't come out and do what he does and do, like, minimizing everything whether it's a strikeout or a weak ground ball, that double play he turned. Where was that? Uh, San Diego? Yeah. Like that kind of stuff is what you don't get from every single player. You get it from one guy on the team that just somehow maneuvers through this staff and and just comes out amazing. I mean, he. I'm not going to say he should be an all-star, but he could be the all-star of this team right now when it comes to, you know, behind the scenes. You pick Jace as an all-star. You know, that my biggest surprise was going to be Hobie Milner just because of, Um, you know, maybe that limited role last year and now absolutely pivotal uh, in his bridge role this year.
0: Well, and I mean, just be he didn't pitch well in the big leagues at all last year. He got hit quite hard when he got in in short stints and small sample. So for him to come and be a totally different pitcher this year, it's also he just looks like a normal guy. He is just a normal guy. That's like the best thing about baseball. Sometimes I think those guys are super fun to watch where it's like, you know, you can see him out on the golf course. He's not
2: a yeah, huge he weightlifter. Zach Davies effect.
1: <laughs> He's not doing He's squats like before the game. Is that what you're saying? No.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. He's just like us. We actually have, um, we thought it was the same shirt, but it's not. It's a slightly different version. Same color. The same Travis Matthews shirt. And I said, that's bad for a big leaguer. When they have the same shirt as one of the members of the media, that's a bad. Burn league. it. Burn, yeah, <laughs> burn it. Wait, the media member or the not shirt? No, the shirt. Oh, well, I told you LeVon Hernandez once did threaten to set me on fire. Remains the only player who's threatened to do that. We'll we'll see if that list grows.
2: Is that why you weren't in Miami? Yeah, (laughs) I have a different takeaway for most surprising player of the first half. And Hobie is very, very deserving and probably should be mine. But when it comes to joining the team at the last second, in an essential role, being the quarterback for a pitching staff, and like quickly getting to know the pitchers and get familiar with the organization, and then leading the team in OPS among regulars. Victor Caratini deserves a gigantic shout-out for what he's done for this organization since coming aboard. He's had huge moments. He's gained a lot of trust. I mean, he's the preferred option of Corbin Burns when it comes to catching, which... I know Omar actually got very comfortable with him when it came to uh, catching last year. So then to supplant Omar as the regular catcher for Corbin Burns, um, after only you know a week of being here, it's he's just been a, a fantastic staple behind there. Obviously, Craig's working to get him into the lineup very regularly. Uh, we know when pa- we see Pedro Severino in, you're still seeing Carotini playing first base, the H. So. You know, great, great way to like step in and be the force of this, especially on the other side of an all star catcher. Omar is great. I don't want to take away from what Omar has done. He's also had a pretty good season as far as he goes. I just want to I think there's nothing you can do to really state how much work Caratini's put into get so comfortable with the staff so quickly and especially coming in basically on the first day of the season uh, no spring training behind him. So I all credit to Caratini.
1: Yeah. I think he's a big pickup. I mean, that, that's a hard turnaround to walk into a clubhouse and be like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to catch everything that you're throwing. That's really tough to overcome, you know? And that's, that's one of the scary things about getting a catcher so late. Uh, but it, I mean, kudos to everybody involved to, to get him to the brewers and, and, and kudos to him for going out there and, and producing, right? Like we love Manny Pena, but you know he's done better as the sort of backup, but now he's getting fifty percent of the time almost. So I, I think, I think that right there is a that's a pretty good pick. Sorry, I had to go a pitching side,
2: <laughs> but Caratini, yeah, that's a good one. I think you have some predisposed uh, favoritism towards pitchers there, Tim, for some reason,
1: especially sidearm guys. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> All right, Tim. Yep. What's your biggest takeaway from the first half?
1: Uh, man. Biggest takeaway. Um, I don't know. I feel bad now. I was gonna write down Yelich in the leadoff spot, but I feel like we've talked about that to no end. But he's the best leadoff hitter in baseball. And um, you know, someone tried to tell me like, well, he only leads off one time a game. It's like not really. And you look at what he's done. He leads off almost. He's averaging over twice per game. He gets another, you know, another leadoff, and he's done so good. You know, all the little things have just been amazing. And and that's kind of what. Kind of what you want at the top of the order, kind of setting the tone. And you know what? Because of that move, uh, it's made. I think Colton Wong better since he's been back batting in the five hole.
2: Had him. Anything to say about this? No.
0: <laughs> no, I'm just ready to jump on my takeaway.
2: Oh, okay. Oh, okay. You yeah. you were uh, nodding right. like, yeah, Tim. No, I, I mean I agree. I think he's mechanism. been great in the
0: leadoff hole. It's like I said before, he's been great in the leadoff hole. It's just not. Yeah. That's not. Where he's supposed to be
2: I think you look at his offensive profile he's already on a trajectory to outperform what he did last year when he hit in the three hole this is working and obviously it's working yep. you keep doing it and although it's not the you know the position or a place he thought he would be hitting when he signed the contract he signed the team will take this production because it's been fantastic for them
0: for sure and this dovetails maybe into my biggest takeaway because if that is what he's going to be then you need some guys in the middle to do damage. And they've had it here and there. Like Willie Adamas has lots of homers, which is great. He's on pace to break Robin Yount's record for home runs as a shortstop. First Brewers shortstop ever to hit 30 if Willie stays on this pace. Uh, Rowdy Telez has hit some big home runs and given him power. But I get the the angst of those who are watching this team and they see the same team they watched in the final two weeks of the regular season last year and against the Braves in the postseason, where it's this great pitching, even with all the injuries, they're still pitching great and you need to hit a little bit and they're not consistently able to like, even on this home, this last homestand there, there were, there was plenty of traffic. Like they're getting hits. Yelich is on base all the time. McCutcheon has been getting on base a ton. They they've, they've had lots of opportunities but you have to be able to score those runs without hitting a home run. And I'm totally understanding of the angst of those who are watching and say, you know, so anyway, my biggest takeaway is that this team looks a lot like it did at the end of last season. And I think that's a concern and I'm not to jump ahead, but I'm curious to see what this team looks like one month from now. Um, And I think that these are a really important couple of weeks for Turning this because this is a this is a championship caliber pitching staff and it's an opportunity that doesn't come along all the time and and we'll see what they are able to to make of it.
2: Right. My biggest first half takeaway is I think it has felt like the depth in some areas has not been what it's been in the past the team has lost four members of the bullpen. I think it's less that the depth isn't there, but we haven't gotten the surprising performances by the people who are taking their shot, right? In the past, you kind of get these guys who step up and you're like, whoa, who's this Jake Cousins character? Why Why is he pitching lights out? This guy's amazing. And this year, the guys that you've called up are very much in the same vein, and they've obviously gotten major league depth to be prepared for that. But I think the team isn't getting as lucky in those depth pieces as they have in the past especially since 2018 where you can really do well through these high injury phases and really be very successful even when you're dealing with this amount of injuries and maybe i think what i'm thinking is it has less to do with depth and maybe it's the team really in the david stern's era hasn't had this many injuries all at once at similar spots maybe that's really what it was is the team really has endured a lot yeah and it's still Performing exceptionally well.
0: Jason Alexander stands out to me as one guy who's gotten an opportunity that was totally off the radar. Yes. And has performed well. Yes, absolutely. But it's not like Cal Eldred in 92 well. It's not like, oh my God, this guy came out of nowhere and is a rookie of the year candidate well. So maybe that's what you mean, Brad, is that the guys have come up, they've filled spots, but they haven't had like breakouts.
2: Yes, and that's kind of what I'm getting at. Is like I feel like like Jonathan Davis hasn't like carried a week for them. Like Trevor Kelly has pitched some very important innings and come up very big in in multiple times, but he hasn't. He did, obviously didn't cement himself as a regular in the bullpen. In the past, you get those appearances where guys come up and all of a sudden you can't get them out of the bullpen because they're pitching better than the guy they replaced. It's more about the injuries and the timelines have been so strenuous on this team they've been pushed to their limits already and things theoretically when you look at what's on paper should be easier for the team in the second half so I think my takeaway is more this team was really pushed to its limits I think when you hear David Stearns talk about there's a lot of improvement needed from within it's that that what I'm talking about right now is it's been hard for them to consistently perform and they have pushed their depth so far that they can't get the key players who are supposed to take over those roles in at the right times. So it's a little rambly, but I think that's because my thought evolved as we were going. Because initially it was, I feel like the team has survived these injuries, but I think this is just the most adversity that this team has faced in the David Stearns era. But I just want fans to understand quite just how hard they were pushed in that first half. Now, what's your biggest question at the midway point, Tim? <clears throat> well,
1: I mean, kind of like what you were just saying, I feel like this team was... You know, for a Lord of the Rings reference, too too few of butter over too much bread. Is that right? Like spread thin, <laughs> right? Or margarine. I don't know what you choose to eat, but <laughs> like, it was. It was because of health. So the biggest question for me is, you know, what's this team going to look like once people start getting healthy and are they going to stay healthy? Because um, because it was a record number. You know, They go through April and they don't have any problems. And then all of a sudden it was like every day you're showing up to the field like, you know, who's next, <laughs> you know? And I think they're going to be better. I think they're, this team is just trying to inch their way to the finish line of the all-star break. And then it's just here comes the wave. You know, like, I, I think they're just I think in their, all, their minds, if we can just get to the all-star break, we're going to come out and just absolutely be ready to charge for that second half.
0: My question is, who do they bring in? I think this is a huge trade deadline. Uh, They brought in an impact bat last year who then didn't have an impact in Eduardo Escobar. I think this year they need to whoever comes in needs to have an impact, uh, because to me, this the the offense is going to decide what happens, what what becomes the story of this team, because I have very few questions about how good the pitching is. I have lots of questions how about how good the offense is.
2: Yeah, I feel exactly the same with Adam. It's who they bring in and where they bring in. Because I think there's a few opportunities. I think outfield is the most obvious one. But they obviously have done many... Like David Stearns and Matt Arnold have made moves before where all of a sudden it seems like you have too many players at one position because that was the place to move at and that was the place that worked in their logic. So it's where will they add and who will they add, I think, is the interesting question. Well, I think
1: that goes along with who's healthy, who's who's going to be healthy coming out swinging and doing well. If the guys they have are doing well, then, you know, they may not have to do as big a move as they think. But if the guys come back and they're not doing much, then that's probably going to be that. That's what they're going to have to weigh. That's the question I was getting at.
2: Yeah. Well, we need to take another break. But when we return, we're dishing out our stat of the week. Stay tuned. Welcome back. It's the moment y'all been waiting for. It's stat of the week. I am trying to get my voice more low for that. I'm trying to get some reverb. Ezra won't pay for effects or a soundboard. This is what we got to work with. There's no great 1990 shock jock audio drops here. Let's so while I pity myself over not having the production quality. I want to from 1992. Adam, give me your stat of the week.
0: Well, I already uh, threw it out there uh, accidentally earlier. But my stat of the week is 29, which is Robin Yount's home runs in 1982 all hit at shortstop. That's the record for a Brewers shortstop. Bill Hall, I believe, at 28 as a shortstop, his big year. J.J. Hardy had a year where he had 27 home runs as the shortstop. So Willie Adamas uh, at, what is it, 17 home runs remains on pace. To top 30. He would be the first Brewers shortstop ever to hit 30 as a shortstop. And it would break a record that's been around since 1982, Robin out. So getting power at that position is a pretty cool thing. Willie's very, I think it's fair to say, very unhappy with his offensive season. He hates his on base being below 300. He feels like he has a long way to go to get to where he wants to be. But the power has been there, and um, home runs can win baseball games.
1: So, well, we've seen him. We've seen him streak before. Yeah, like not on the like what that guy did on the field that one day against the Braves or whatever. But
2: by the way, he was wearing a shirt.
1: Yeah, it was like a skin-colored shirt.
2: Yeah, it was crazy.
1: <laughs> What's the penalty for charging streak in the field?
2: Uh,
0: some broken bones, I think.
1: Broken bones. Yeah, he's. Probably I don't think that. they take yeah. it
0: very easy on you when they uh, yeah. take you out out of there. Not sure. Do you know, I'll there's a like sheriff's that. office inside American Family Field. Oh, cool. Like down in the bowels. We learned that when Randall Simon had uh, his little run in with uh, the racing sausages that there's an actual sheriff. Oh, place. yeah. So please don't streak.
1: I don't know where I was going. Oh, he's streaky. Yeah. So, you know, he was going off, gets player of the week or whatever, or actually before that. And uh, he goes back to basics. He does flips with Ozzie Timmons We yeah. start working on balance and rhythm and all that. And he comes out swinging again. I think that's what we're seeing here. He's heated up in this homestand uh right before everyone's eyes I think that's I think he gets away from stuff and then he gets back to it and I think that's kind of what we've seen the cycle even last year of what Willie Adamas does so I mean is it feasible for him to get to 30 I think definitely it is I think that's a I think he's able to do more than that even after missing what 20 games
0: we should try to get Robin Yount on the pod to talk about it let's get Robin Yount on the
1: Yeah,
2: you been. I've been telling you reach out to. I him. know we're going. To, we're going to see if we you can do. Call. It. I know. Call Robin. Say Robin, what are you doing? And he'll say, I don't know, living an illustrious life with the best hair in Arizona. That is and true. And you'll say, Can you spare thirty minutes for a podcast? Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. R-Y. R Y. Robin, do, uh, do you have uh, the Audacity app on your uh, home computer to record podcasts? <laughs> uh, do you have a uh, podcast quality microphone? And he'll be like, yeah, sure.
2: I'll send Ezra out there to <laughs> work with him specifically on that. My stat of the week, since returning, Colton Wong's started nine games. He's slashing 270, 342 with a 487 slugging. He has eight hits, five of which are extra base hits, which, you know, Colton's not exactly known for his power. So he's really come back hot since returning to the lineup on a regular basis. We've seen him get some rest with uh, them going with a platoon third baseman and then moving Weicho over to second base. But I think he's been playing sneaky well because I barely noticed that he was uh, quite that productive in that spot. I think because so much attention has been on the top four, especially with Andrew McCutcheon hitting well, Christian Yelich hitting well, it's been easy for Colton Wong to sneak under the radar. So a little shout to how he's been playing since he's returned from the IL, which has been very well. Now we're recording this on Monday and we got a gut feeling that this is going to be one of the things we talk about and it's going to be old news by the time we get there. And the question is, Tim, is Devin Williams eventually going to get named to all-star game? Because we really think it's almost a sure thing, right?
1: Yes. The answer is simply yes. He's an all-star. I mean, even, I mean, surely they're going to make it right. He's probably, by the time people hear this, he's going to be an all-star. To me, he should have been all-star right from the get-go. Um, Because I started thinking about it this way. You know, whoever has the most of something in a stat usually makes the all-star team, right? The most wins. Gonsolin, most wins. Yeah, he's an all-star. Josh Hader saves. Yeah, he's an all-star. Judge, home runs. He's an all-star. Alonzo, RBIs. He's an all-star. Average.
2: Actually, Judge didn't make it. (laughs) Oh. No, I'm lying. Of course he made it. (laughs)
1: Herrera's, he has the average. He's an all-star. So they invented a stat called holds. And he has the most, and he's been doing a fantastic job. He ranks really high in all the stats for relievers. He has 22 holds. This guy's an all-star. He's uh, deserving, and it's sad that he didn't get on like the first little ballot thing.
0: Everything Tim said. Everything Tim said. And um, when we talked to Corbin Burns and Josh Hader yesterday, there was almost like a little tinge of like not dis- I, I almost a tinge of disappointment in the day that Devin Williams didn't get named. Those guys really, really, really want him to go. And Josh Hader even said, I think we're going to get him in. So I, I'd i be shocked if by the time people are listening to this, these words that Devin Williams hasn't already been named an all-star and this regret has been eliminated.
1: He should get an apology letter. <laughs> I think, honestly, I mean, that's just... There's always just...
0: snubs, though. There, there's always. Yeah. You can always go down and...
2: He's, he's probably better than 25 of the team's closers. He has a one nine three ERA, a one five seven FIP, a two fifteen ERA plus. He struck out fifty five and thirty two and two thirds. the the kid The guy's been amazing.
1: He also has uh, five saves. He has five saves and five opportunities. Huge
0: spots where Hader was out. Yeah. Plus, I, I I think Joe Buck will have lots of time to tell his uh the Devin Williams story because there's lots of time in between pitches, which I sometimes get annoyed by. But that's.
1: But you get to hear Joe Buck.
0: It's working for him. It's working for him. So I'm criticizing something that shouldn't be criticized. I get to hear Joe Buck. Also,
2: you don't only get to hear Joe Buck. You'll get to hear some interview with some guy on the infield or something. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. (laughs) Good point. I, I like those, though. Maybe they'll interview Devin in between pitches. Oh, my God, that would be amazing. Maybe we'll get to hear what he screams
0: into his glove. No, no, (laughs) I was going to say, I was going to say, I would say Liam Hendricks is probably the number one player you don't want to mic during a game. Didn't they mic him up last year? And it was not great. Not, not great. (laughs) So I think Devin Williams is probably number two because I think the things he says into his glove are not quite fit for an all-star. Although the game is very Uh late at night.
2: So, yeah, right. You're safe. <laughs> you're, you're protected by the 10 o'clock rule. Yeah, he's been he's been awesome. though. He, he'll be an all star. Most importantly, Adam, what are you doing with your time off? Because guess what? We're taking the all star break off, too. It's a break for us. Well, we're taking a break
0: from the podcast for a week, but I will be working my butt off over the all star break because I, I don't mean to be negative. I, I mean, I feel like I've been a little negative this week, but the draft over the all star break. I don't know. Someone must like that somewhere. And it's probably someone who's one of my bosses and I should keep my mouth shut, but it is not ideal. You know, these, the front office folks grind just as hard as the players do. And man, everybody could use a break and they are not getting a break because there's a three day draft. So Sunday night, I will be covering the draft probably from home. It won't be at American family field this year because there's a Motley Crue poison Joan Jett, uh, help me, Brad, someone else, concert at the ballpark. Really? Uh, Yes, Def Leppard. How did I forget Def Leppard, man? Uh, So they can't do the draft at the ballpark, so they're trying to figure out plans of where that's going to happen. So I think we're going to do it old school, our availabilities with Zooms. Um, And then the draft continues Monday and Tuesday, and we will have full coverage at MLB.com of all their picks. And it's a big deal for Bay. I mean, it's a bit, the draft's a huge deal. It's the timing to me is it. it, This is the second year. I think they've done it over the all-star break and it, uh, it makes for a
2: busy break. Well, emphasis on how hard this is on front offices. They're also all over the phones right now, pulling tons of tape on players who they're interested in acquiring or have to send and getting all those reports on top of having to analyze thousands of prospects.
0: <laughs> I actually asked that, Todd Johnson about this because they do series of meetings. Once all the scouts have been out and seen all their players, they come in and do meetings. I said, how many guys do you actually sit in the room like money ball style, sit around a table and talk about, it? and he said the number is 500 that, I mean, they scout thousands, right? They have
2: reports sure, on thousands, right, but then they're the ones who the scouts think are good enough to discuss. The ones that they, they actually the sit
0: in a conference room and like discuss, is 500, which if you just think about how long we've talked about four topics in the last however long it's been, 45 minutes. Think about how much time they spent talking about these guys. It's incredible.
2: Yeah. we All right. When we had them on, we may have some important people coming on post-draft to discuss the state of the prospects, the draft, how it went, et cetera, et cetera. We need to ask them if they've ever selected anyone based on the strength of their draw. I, I, Todd Johnson was saying
0: Moneyball, 20 years old, by the way, Moneyball. Yeah. And he said, it's not exactly like that, but it's not that far off. So it would be fun to like ask him, what's the funniest, the weirdest conversation you've had where you debated a player? Like, well, his left foot's bigger than his right. And I just don't know if that's going to play when
2: he's breaking out of the box. <laughs> All right, Tim, what are you doing with your time off?
1: Uh, I may be going to that concert. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. No, I'm actually, I'll be flying back home to Nashville and probably doing nothing. Actually, I'll be watching the All-Star game and, making fun of the celebrity all-star game, which should be really good, right? They're going to do that. I mean, that's a place to have celebrities. So I usually watch that and make fun of it, but probably cook out in the back porch and, and just live life, man. Throw wiffle balls to my kids. That's that's about it. All right.
2: I So guys, it's basically been three months since the pod started. How do I know this? Because my wife just went back to work and my baby was born basically when the pod started. So... I'm taking two weeks off. I'm sending Ezra. He's going out, and instead of producing the pod, he's going to Minnesota and San Francisco. I have my social media specialist, Sydney, covering the All-Star Game, and I'm doing dad time. I'm hanging out with the baby. I'm making life easy on my wife so she doesn't have to stress out about the kid going back to daycare. So thanks to the Brewers organization for letting me do that. It's... I can't wait for some daddy-daughter time because this kid rocks. She smiles all the time. She laughs all the time. Big fan. Big fan of this child. Also, I'll be watching the draft because for those who followed me before I was in this role, I have a prospect problem. So enjoy that (laughs) as I'll be giving some live analysis. I've got a fever. (laughs) And the only prescription is more prospects. That's all we have time for. Thank you for always listening. Don't forget to follow our hosts. Follow Tim Tillard at Dim Tillard on Twitter and Instagram. Look for Adam McAlvey at Adam McCalvey on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Watch Tim Dillard on the Valley Sports Wisconsin pre and post game show. Read Adam McCalvey on Brewers.com. Of course, go right now. Follow us on Instagram, The Brewers, on Instagram, Twitter, Mega Tic Tac or TikTok, and follow us there. We'll see you next week. Wait, no, we won't. We'll see you in two weeks. Enjoy the break.